The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello. This upcoming episode of the Pesara Tales was recorded just mere minutes before it was announced that the anti-terrorism bill was signed into Philippine law. As such, I would just like to say a few things before we start. These are indeed troublesome times in the country right now. Being locked down in the middle of a pandemic and feeling like the government is not prioritizing things that matter. But I urge you all to be much more vigilant in these times. Education, like most things, is not confined in a vacuum. In our quest for knowledge and learning, we must remain wary of what is going on around us. It is easy and natural to be fearful, but I would like to share a passage from Scripture. Proverbs 31 verse 8 to 9 says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Apart from the pieces of literature and the scientific theories and the mathematical formulas, there is one collective thing that my years of being a student has taught me, to combine and paraphrase it all. We ought to continue the search for the untarnished truth with honor and excellence. Education should always be in the context of society. Often, teaching is seen as a noble profession, a calling and it is my duty as a teacher to remind my students or anyone who would listen of that context. Kapag namulat ka sa katotohanan, kasalanan na ang pumikit. Welcome to the first episode of the Pesara Tales. Yes, finally we are here. <laughs> I'm Jem Estrella or Sir J as my students call me. And well, this podcast is all about my thoughts and experiences as a young millennial teacher. Welcome. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which is now streaming through Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So wherever you're listening right now. Thank you and welcome. So before we begin, I would just like to say my thanks to the following. First, I would like to thank God for giving me this opportunity. Uh, Thank you to my friends and my family for their support. And of course, I would like to thank my team, EJ Edralin, Paul Esquillo, and Janine Vasquez. Thank you you so much for helping get this show on the road. And yes, finally. So let's go. Let's, Let's dig in to our... Uh, premiere episode uh, today we'll talk about you know uh, something that is very controversial nowadays well something that is very um, contentious and you know we'll tackle you know online classes so we'll start to dissect really what is going on in the online classes in online classes uh, in this country and yeah, we'll see if there are pros and cons, and we'll try to assess whether or not we should be even doing 
online classes. So it'll just be me for the day, and I hope you'll stick around. So wherever you're listening right now, I'm pretty sure that you know this whole COVID-19 pandemic has been going on. Hopefully, you guys are practicing social distancing. You know, staying in your house, not going out when unless you have to. And if you do have to, at least wear a mask, please, please let us try to flatten the curve. And yeah, it's been going on for a few months now. We've been in lockdown here in the Philippines. We've been in lockdown for more than a hundred days. And one major consequence of that is how it affected school continuity. So of course, students are staying at home. And well, worldwide though, the response has been assorted. So. According to a report by the World Bank, there are many different uh, responses to this pandemic in terms of the education system. So, for example, in Afghanistan, Russia, and Singapore, they're actually enhancing preparedness while keeping schools open. So, they're probably doing uh, they're most they're doing alternative ways of getting the lessons to the students. Whereas in other countries like Brazil, India, and of course here. There is actually selective or pretty much national closing of schools. So, in most places, schools are closed, and students will now have to resort to using remote remote and education resources. So that you know, uh, there wouldn't be any uh, delays in the learning of students. So, for example, in China, in Italy, in France, in Germany, in Saudi Arabia, they're actually. Doing online classes fully, 100% online classes. Um, in Vietnam, they're actually utilizing mass media, so the uh, mobile phones and television. And it's also the same for Mongolia, by the way. And in Lebanon, they're actually giving homework to kids, probably giving them uh, hard copy modules for the students to take home and work on. And yeah, as a result, you know, international exams. Those uh, like Cambridge International, like the A levels and you know international baccalaureate exams, um, they were actually postponed. So those that were due supposedly on May or June, they were actually postponed to a later date. And like I said, it's no different here. Um, schools are closed now for almost uh, three. Four months, yeah. Since March, this is we're recording in July. Oh wow! So it's already been, it's already been four months. Well, pretty much classes were suspended for around two months because, you know, it happened smack in the middle of summer vacation. But yeah, I mean, let's just do a little bit of recap. Um, the first day of suspension in Metro Manila started at around. March 10, so President Duterte gave the order that, you know, schools would be closed, physical classes haven't been back since, and because of this finals week, so final examinations were affected uh, since this happened around this time. And because of that, you know, the Department of Education or DepEd, they have released uh, guidelines on how to end the school school year. Uh, school year 2019-2020 is pretty much done. Uh, so now... Um, for most schools, especially in public schools, we're now in the summer break. And what's happening is that, you know, teachers are now starting to prepare for school year 2020-2021. So what will the course of direction be then? So at the moment, as per the directive of, you know, the president, he said that he doesn't want to have face-to-face classes 
for this coming school year. So actually, um, he said that uh, he want to have he wants to have vaccine first. So he wants to cancel classes. He wants to suspend classes rather until a vaccine is found, because according to him, uh, you know he doesn't his conscience tells him not to you know send his students to school during this pandemic and well you know that's that's a very bold statement you know to wait for a vaccine to happen but those are his um you know thoughts and because of this deped plans to offer alternatives so of course uh the first the first thing that uh comes to mind is online classes and you know deped has also presented another alternative called blended learning so First of all, online classes will be tapped if gadgets and a stable connect internet connection is available. So Secretary uh, Leonor Briones cited that 87% of teachers surveyed said that they have computers at home. And that, you know, she added that DepEd is also convincing the private sector to donate gadgets rather than the usual school bag and supplies during the annual Brigada Escuela. So, you know, how about for those that do not have um, internet connection or gadgets? So, you know, other avenues are apparently being explored as well, such as hard copy modules, you know, utilization of mass media like TV and radio, you know, um, it said in one news article, and I quote, but in areas with slow internet connection and lack of personal gadgets, the delivery of lessons could be done through the use of television, radio, and learning modules in packets, both in print and digital format. So, you know, ideally, DepEd is pulling out all the stops in order to, you know, to help continue education in this country. And because of that, you know, I'm not sure if you caught this, but DepEd actually made the Basic Education Learning Continuity Plan, or BELCP, right? So this was apparently given to the you know, interagency task force here in the Philippines. Uh, it was proposed, I think, around, yeah, around May. So Secretary Briones presented these highlights of the draft in this BELCP, and here are the following important details. So first off, you know, the school year 2020-2021 will start at August 24. That is the date that is around, you know, less than two months from now so and then it will end at around april 30 2021 so private schools will also be allowed within the period provided by law but they will have to submit their school learning continuity plan to deped another uh, important point to note is that there will be no face-to-face classes in this school year unless quote the local risk severity grading permits and subject to compliance with minimum health standards. So it will now depend on what the government's directive in terms of the public health issue. Another point would be that the use of different learning delivery options such as blended learning, distance learning, homeschooling, and other modes of delivery, this will now be in effect. You know, because since the kids are now at home, uh, they will need to have alternative learning delivery options. And another important point to note is that, you know, curricular and co-curricular activities that involve mass gatherings, so science fairs, job fairs, sports events, 
uh, various events throughout the school year will now be canceled unless they can be conducted online. So, you know, this this is pretty much going to affect the um, holistic development of most students since that, you know, these are important events as well that help enrich their help enrich their learnings not just within the school uh, within the classroom rather but you know as as a person as a whole now you know we've been going back and forth we're probably hearing the news on what's going to happen what's not going to happen so uh, for this episode i would just like to point out you know the different pros and cons because you know as a teacher these are things that I have to consider as well and that my school would have to consider uh, this coming school year because this is a big shift. This is something that has been that has been unprecedented. A big pandemic has never happened like this in you know in decades or in decades. So this is something that you know everyone is caught off guard and now we're scrambling to find what would be the best plan so let's first go to the pros i mean to the pros rather online classes will help continue education so of course you know we all know that education is very important especially in developing kids you know there are a lot of support for this belcp so in particular, the Philippine National Research Center for Teacher Quality, which is, I think, a group uh, composed mostly of you know teachers and professors from the Philippine Normal University and the University of New England, Australia. So these, uh, they are actually giving support for this basic education continuity plan, saying that, quote, school children and young people should be given equitable access to quality education including learning resources amid adversity. So that is actually a very good plan. You know, um, school years can't be stopped just because, you know, students are not going to school. There has to be a way to help continue education, especially in this, uh, you know, amidst adversity. So also, uh, UNESCO listed down a few reasons in their website. They listed down a few reasons why education should be continued. So first off, they said that, you know, if learning is interrupted, the disadvantages are disproportionate for underprivileged learners who tend to have fewer educational opportunities outside school. You know, and for other countries, many children and youth rely on free or discounted school meals for healthy nutrition. So schools are not just enriching the minds, they're also enriching, you know, the stomachs of these students because in other countries uh, there are feeding programs that are you know connected to schooling you know schools also provide safety for most children and youth and when they close young people are more vulnerable and at risk so exposing them because of the lack of uh, face-to-face classes exposing them to bad influences you know that will now be a challenge in this uh, in this in this pandemic if schools if education is discontinued you know parents are also you know not all parents are prepared for distance and homeschooling so when schools close you know what would happen most likely would be that your parents or the guardians would be the ones to facilitate the children's learning at home and not everyone can do that you know not everyone you know is capable of having the patience of teaching unlike teachers do 
So, you know, especially if the parents themselves, they had limited education or resources when they were growing up. You know, also unequal access to digital learning portals. So lack of access to technology or good internet connectivity is an obstacle to continued learning. So when schools close down, you know, the exposure of this of these students you know, will uh, will be lessened and that they wouldn't have the opportunities of using for example you know computer labs or uh, different gadgets in school you know that stops and you know if we uh, if sorry if schools would close down you know in the absence of alternative options working parents often leave children alone when schools close and this can lead to risky behaviors, including increased peer pressure and substance abuse. Um, also, UNESCO cited that uh, working parents are more likely to miss work if they would take care of their children. So that would, you know, result in wage loss and decreased productivity. And, you know, at some point, there will be an increased pressure on schools and school systems that remain open. So if some of the schools, if it's not a total uh, cancellation of schools, you know, the other schools that, will, that are still open, they will have increased pressure because the students that are not, you know, their schools closed down will now have to transfer to the schools that are open. And, you know, that would create pressure for them. Uh, also, because of this pandemic, if schools close down, you know, students will be forced to drop out. There will be students that will be dropping out, especially after protracted closures. You know, and finally, in the development of the kids, you know, the lack of social activity and human interaction that schools provide, you know, when they when schools close down, many children and youth will miss out on the social contact that is essential to learning and development. So, you know, with all these points that UNESCO is uh, has delineated, you know, it's showing the importance of schooling to students. You know, it's not just a place where students would learn is actually more than that. For for some, it will be where they get their meals. For some, it's where they get their protection. And, you know, for most, it's where they socialize and they learn um, different social skills. So that's pretty much, you know, the importance, the pros of continuing education in terms of online classes. Now, of course, you know, there are some who are reluctant to the idea of online classes reluctant to say the least you know some are actually you know apprehensive or uh, you know they're disagreeing with this idea of online classes especially in the local setting here in the philippines you know there is a massive lack of preparation on the part of the department of education you know so in a statement said by the alliance of concerned teachers you know despite and i quote rather Despite getting the IATF's GO signal for the Learning Continuity Program as early as May 11, DepEd still has nothing to show for for its prized alternative modalities. You know, there's there are no laptops, no gadgets for learners and education workers, no print modules, no report yet on the much bragged about TV and radio educational programs. It's already you know we're recording this July 3rd and. Until now, there are very, very vague guidelines despite having the plan for more than a month. So this was something that was questioned by ACT Secretary General Raymond Basilio, you know, and he has valid points. There, there, uh, at my, the school that I'm working for, 
um, we've been monitoring the situation. We've been seeing if DepEd has concrete plans. And so far, what we've you know encountered is that you know they adjusted the curriculum. All right, so they they streamlined the curriculum in such a way that the essential um, learning points will be covered. Uh, but also trying to help adapt uh, both students and teachers in this uh, quote-unquote new normal. Um, but until now, they're still very, very vague, and most of the schools are now left to fend for themselves. You know, they are trying to get a handle on things and trying to adapt and do the best they can. But yeah, it's just very... Um, you know very unprepared also um this coming school year if we continue with online classes there are some that say that this actually exposed the divide in class and not not, not like you know the school class but more of like the social status of people so in a position paper by the student council alliance of the philippines where they had 2340 respondents 72 percent see that there will be difficulty in understanding the lessons in this setup 67 percent cite the lack of decent internet connection which is of course essential in online classes um 64 percent indicate that there will be increased dependency on the internet and you know the internet here in the Philippines, if you're not aware, it's really slow. Um, so yeah, this uh, if you're going to increase the dependency of that by adding online classes to, you know, what students are going to use, then there's going to be a problem, you know. And in their position paper, you know, SEAP proposes that you know following calls to action first. They want to suggest the suspension of online synchronous learning. That means like live classes through, you know, video conferencing, like for example, Zoom or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams. You know, they don't want that to happen because those that do not have internet, they'll be at a disadvantage. So also, they would like to call for the suspension of class requirements, especially those submitted online, you know, for the same reasons as the first call. And finally, they want to have, they want to demand a concrete mechanism providing necessary aid to students and teachers alike. So unless these um, mismatches, these uh, needs are met by the Department of Education, you know, they propose that you know online classes shouldn't happen, and they want DepEd to take care of the students and the teachers first before pushing through with any, with any means of. Uh, remote learning through online means. In another article written by Rappler, so they cited that, quote, in work of online classes, only students who can afford to have internet installed at home are those who can access education. Thus, online classes are merely manifestations of the divide among social classes in our studentry. And when education should not be, when education should not be limited to a certain few. So this was Give, uh, given as a statement by SEAP and the Students' Rights and Welfare Philippines. So these organizations, along with other, many other multi, uh, student, orga- student groups and organizations from different institutions, both public and private, you know, they question the preparedness and the equity that online classes will bring. 
And another point is that, you know, some lawmakers don't even see online classes or education in general as the biggest priority in this pandemic. So during uh, uh, Representative uh, Salceda, I believe he's uh, the representative for, um, let me just check, Albay 2nd District Representative Joey Salceda, he said that, quote, doing education online is socially unjust because of the digital divide. No laptops or desktops, no load. It has little impact on learning transmission given slow and unstable internet or results in residual language, residual knowledge rather, given the crisis. So, you know, some people are thinking now, you know, education should be the least priority the least worry, not really the least priority, but you know, it shouldn't be in the minds of students who are already stressed out, who are already reading from the effects of this pandemic, economically, you know, maybe physically, psychologically, you know, this pandemic has taken a toll on all of us. And so, you know, it, uh, people are proposing that we must be a bit more compassionate to people, to students rather, in dealing with online classes now you know about the different pros we've talked about the different cons and you're probably wondering you know which side of the fence am i on uh am i pro online classes or against online classes and truth be told i'm you know i do not know exactly how to feel about this and i'm for me it's not just a black and white issue because all right uh disclosure on one hand i recognize that the privilege that i have because personally i have relatively stable internet i have the gadgets i have the means you know i'm working from home right now and i'm privileged to have this opportunity to hold online classes and also i work for a private school that is carrying on with online classes this school year you know um the administration, the administration of the school that I'm working for has done their due diligence. They have assessed the capabilities of the students in terms of, you know, the gadgets they have. They have, you know, stable internet. And they've also assessed the educators who will teach them. So they've checked on us, you know, in the past few weeks. They've been asking what are our needs in terms of the uh, materials that we'll ever need that we'll need the gadgets you know if we need stable internet they're doing their best to provide for that and you know as an organization as an institution we're pretty hopeful and confident you know that we could pull it off but on the other hand you know i definitely sympathize sympathize and understand the struggles of most students that are not as privileged you know there is a class divide outside of our bubble not everyone has the resources not every student or teacher has a good laptop or a smartphone you know or good stable internet one where you know they don't have to go to the side of the road or up a mountain to get signal you know not every student or teacher has that and there will be those that you know will see education is a lesser if not the least priority compared to say if they will have food to eat in the morning if they'll have a shelter to stay at you know these are valid concerns and i i honestly don't know i i think um i'm just learning as much as i can assessing whether or not we could pull it off you know honestly i'm not that uh not that 
optimistic, but I'm really hoping that, you know, their situation improves. And because education is really important to students, to everyone, in fact, you know, in the, this era of, you know, post-truth, quote-unquote, you know, where knowledge is power and knowledge is important. And, you know, schools provide that knowledge. And hopefully, education will continue in one way or another, one that is, uh, you know, empathetic to students, one that is equitable, and one that is effective. So, yeah, that's probably something that we should be thinking about as we move forward with education in this country. Wow, (laughs) tough, tough episode. You know, uh, I'll admit, I don't think I've covered everything. You know, there are a lot more things to cover. I urge you guys, you know, all of you listeners to read up and make yourself aware on what's going on in the world, especially in this front, you know, school the school year is approaching here in the philippines it's almost august and time is running out and i hope that you know we can all pull it off and at the same time you know students will be able to learn and be in the proper learning environment even amidst the pandemic so you know we're wishing all the best to all the teachers uh, including the ones that i work with and yeah hopefully we'll get it done Right, so that's it. Thank you for listening to this first episode of the Pisara Tales. You know, be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram at the Pisara Tales. You know, feel free to leave your messages, comments, you know, suggestions on how we can improve the show, topics that you want us to cover and research on. You know, we'll, I'm slow. We're slowly learning our way in making these podcasts. And you know, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to enter your homes and, you know, just talk about stuff and we'll all learn together, you know, as we do. Uh, also, if you don't want to use Twitter or Instagram, be sure to email us, you know, email us at, at tales at gmail.com. That's thepisaratales at gmail.com. And yeah, so this podcast has been edited by EJ Adrelin. It's produced by yours truly and Paul Esquillo. Publication materials were made by Janine Vasquez. The original music that you heard uh, was composed by EJ Adrian. Very, very fantastic team. Thank you very much for helping me out here. And yeah, I'll see you guys next time in another episode. Hopefully, we'll have guests then. We'll see what happens. Until then, this is Sergey wishing you a wonderful day.